Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Brendan Escott alongside Cam Moon this Friday afternoon on Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer in parts unknown. Parts unknown for the foreseeable future. It's actually Cam and I all of next week or for as often as I can be here. I'm doing the Elks thing, so Cam will have you Tuesday and Thursday as well. Uh, We'll tell you that some guests of Oilers now receive gift certificates to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Chris and Chef Altoff that Oilers now sent you. All right, let's uh, jump in the car and and head on down the QE2 and connect with our friend from Sportsnet 960 down in Calgary. Logan Gordon has joined us a couple of times. Pleased to bring him aboard today as our headliner for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It is the best you've ever tasted. Search for W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Hey, Logan, you're on with Cam and Brendan. How's it going today? I'm great, guys. How are you doing? Excellent. Appreciate you jumping on. And, and hey, we've got a lot of catching up to do as far as things that have gone on in Calgary, Flames-wise, this offseason. Um, maybe we'll begin at the top, Logan, and, and uh, get your assessment, and, and we'll go from there. Craig Conroy as GM, your reaction and the reaction in the marketplace, which I imagine was probably pretty well-received. It was really well received. Craig's been a, a face in Calgary going back to his playing days that was always very popular and that continued into his post-playing career as an assistant GM. Going back to when Jay Feaster was still here in Calgary, didn't matter who was at the helm, whether it was Brian Burke for a time, then into Brad Treliving's tenure, Craig's always found a way to be an important part here in Calgary. And given the fact that he had touched so many parts of the organization, guys, from scouting to pro scouts, you know, being a part of trades, all that sort of stuff, free agent signings. Uh, and, you know, the Brad Living situation coming about as quickly as it did, having to pivot from that situation, Craig Conroy made a lot of sense. And so far, so good. It's been a, a quiet off season, but uh, still lots of decisions to come. It's been pretty well received so far in Calgary with Conroy as the new GM. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. I don't, I don't even know him, but he seems like the nicest guy in the world. And he makes the the hire Ryan Huska as the, as the head coach, a guy who had great success in Kelowna in the WHL, been a head coach in the American League, and been an assistant coach in the National Hockey League for quite a while. Uh, your thoughts on, on the move with Ryan Huska becoming head coach? went through actually it's funny because Ryan's been here now in the Flames organization for a very long time going back to when the team's uh, American League affiliate was in Adirondack he followed them into Stockton and then was an assistant coach on the Flames for the last five seasons uh, under a number of different head coaches including Daryl Sutter Huska made a, a really good case for himself having that the couple years of NHL experience under his belt and he knows a couple of these guys that are really important to the Calgary Flames from his American Hockey League time. 
Um, Brassus Anderson, Dylan Dubé, Andrew Mangiapane, just to name a few of the guys that Ryan spent time with in the American Hockey League. So the natural connection made a lot of sense, and I, I think a lot of people saw similarities between what Craig and what Ryan have done. They both put in a lot of time in the organization, and if they were going to get an opportunity here in Calgary, guys, it wouldn't have stunned anybody here that they would get an opportunity elsewhere. Ryan knows the group. Is going to be a huge transition from what Daryl was doing to what Ryan was doing, but how the message gets there is going to be a lot different under Ryan Huska. And that, I imagine, is of utmost importance given the not only the change, but sort of the writing on the wall for the reasons of the change and the wholesale change that the players who have been there are maybe a little unsure of what the future holds and that sort of thing, but all the guys who apparently did not want to be there, I wonder how much that had to do with how the message was getting there, Logan. Yeah, it was a lot of it, guys. Let's and we can be honest about it here. It was it was a negative tone last year for a lot of different reasons. And I think in player exit meetings um, with you know new uh, president of hockey ops Don Maloney sitting in on a lot of those, I think the message that he got from the players was a lot of it started with the message coming from the head coach, whether it was how he handled a new guy like Jonathan Huberto coming into the organization, or how he handled some of the young players, Jacob Pelche. Uh, being at the top of that list and, and whether or not they could find ample opportunity under this head coach. Uh, I think it was pretty clear to people outside the organization that change needed to happen despite the fact Daryl Sutter just signed a contract extension that started back on July 1st here. The organization had to bite the bullet and move forward. There were just too many unhappy faces to go into another season with that kind of discontent between the players and the head coach. I gotta wonder, having watched Mitch Love now walk to Washington, where he is an assistant coach, uh, why not him? Why Ryan Huska, and why not Mitch Love? In your opinion, as somebody who was coaching the the minor league affiliate there with a lot of success, it was the NHL experience that, that came down to being the difference here. Talking to Craig Conroy uh, post Ryan Huska's hiring, that five years that Ryan spent on an NHL bench under a couple of different head coaches, guys, whether it was Bill Peters, Jeff Ward for a period of time, Daryl Sutter, all of those head coaches found Ryan to be a very valuable member of their coaching staff and a guy that really connects with players well. Not that Mitch Love couldn't do that or wasn't capable of doing that. I think with your Craig Conroy, knowing this is your first head coaching hire, the head coaching position in Calgary is one that's been too much of a revolving door you want to make sure this one sticks for a good period of time. Having that NHL experience with so many of the guys and so many of the key guys on this team, I think was ultimately the deciding factor. I think Mitch Love was absolutely in contention for the job, and I think we will do a great job in Washington. There's no doubt he was a, a valued asset here in Calgary and one that they're sad to lose. But at the same time, the, the one thing on the resume that, that just didn't exist for Mitch Love compared to Ryan Huska was five years on an NHL bench. Yeah, and I, I can see that, and I can understand that. And uh, I think Ryan's going to do a very good job. I have uh, interacted with him a lot when he was in Kelowna, and I know how prepared and, and I know how uh, a quality a coach he is. And I would say Mitch Love is absolutely in that same category. Now, how, how big impact do you think this possibly could have? You look at that Flames lineup. We all expected them to be you know, one of the top teams in the division going into last year, and they still have a, a lot of the same players. So the, there's 
the potential, the amount of talent coming back looks like it's 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 there. Like they should be within the mix making this move, uh, bringing Ryan Huska in as the head coach. How how big of an impact do you think it'll have? I think it's going to have a big impact. The locker room, the the arena, just wasn't a fun place to come to last year. And I don't want to put that all on on Daryl Sutter. There's more to it than just that, guys. But you have to have the right sort of culture. You have to make this a place that guys want to come to on a daily basis. And Ryan's just that guy that, you know, brings an eternal optimism to everything. I'm not saying he's, you know, strictly a player's coach. He's He's been hard on guys before, and he wants to get the best out of guys. But I think he understands that that culture and, you know, having a, a place that this – the players want to play in is so important nowadays in the NHL and you have to be able to communicate with players in a different way than maybe you did 10, 15 years ago. And and we're really talking about a team that had so many things go against them last year. You turn around five or six of those one goal games or those frustrating overtime losses that they had, they probably find themselves pretty easily in a playoff spot. Now that's not to say that it's going to be easy to replicate again, a season, past that given there could be some changes down the road for the flames but i think ryan Huska understands having that unique spot being here last year as assistant coach guys what the players want to see more of and how he can help them get there i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Logan Gordon from Sportsnet 960 joining us here on Oilers Now. How how are you feeling about the return on the trade for Tyler Toffoli? Because I saw a, a really mixed bag on that one. I, I tend to side that I, I don't mind Igor Sharangovich as a player. I think that, uh, you know, as a 25-year-old guy making $3.1 million, he's, he's a pretty versatile player and, and one that I think may be more of a thorn in the side of the Pacific Division than expected. And, and a lot of that, I suspect, is just because they don't know a ton from a guy that is, has only played in New Jersey thus far. Yeah, you know what? I was one of the more positive ones on it here in Calgary. Um, look, Tyler Toffoli, a, a great player, career season last year with Calgary, but this team has enough guys plus 30 uh, on long-term contracts already. They just couldn't add another one to it. And the market's been incredibly soft. I know you guys know that from watching at the draft and keeping up with free agency. The market hasn't been great for a lot of players. We've seen teams dumping guys for you know pure salary cap reasons. To get a guy like Sharon Govich, 25 years old, and I think you make a really good point uh, about playing in New Jersey. I don't think that we get a lot of viewings of guys like that. Everything that we've heard from Calgary is this is a guy they really like. He's got a high-level shot. He's hit 20 goals already in his NHL career, and the Flames really feel like this is a guy that got bumped down the lineup in New Jersey once Timo Meyer showed up, 
given more opportunity in a top six role, maybe some consistent power play time here in Calgary. They feel like the chances of him getting back to that 20 goal guy is, is a pretty good opportunity here in Calgary. And, you're right, and 3.1 million, I think, for 25 years old. We've talked a lot here in Calgary over the last couple of years about this team needing to get younger and faster, and I think Sharon Govich fits a lot of those boxes for the Flames. I'm sure Craig Conroy has his hands full with everything that it is is becoming a, a general manager and, and having to speak with players, with coaches, and get a, a full assessment of what he's dealing with, but I know there's been you know some talk with a few of the players that just have one year left before they go to uh, UFA status. Do you think there'll be any moves between now and the start of training camp? Yeah, I think there's for sure going to be a couple moves made between now and training camp. I think the biggest name, guys, is, is Noah Hannafin, uh, the 26-year-old defenseman here in Calgary, has indicated to... Uh, Flames management that he's not going to sign long term with the organization hasn't come out and specifically asked for a trade but you guys know as well as we do here when you hear that kind of language from a player it likely means that there's a a trade coming I think that the Flames would like to do something with uh, Noah Hannafin before the season gets going and have that not be a distraction heading into training camp because as you mentioned there's a number of key UFAs on this team heading into next season uh, one or two of them can create their own problems, but when you have as many significant ones like the Flames do when you add in Elias Lindholm, Tyler Toffoli was one of those guys, uh, Chris Tanev, Nikita Zadorov, just to name a few others, uh, it can turn into a, a pretty big swing moment for the Calgary Flames, uh, knowing how many of these guys you don't have signed into the future. So. I would say Craig Conroy's definitely got some work to do before we get to training camp in the fall. Now, optimism, I wonder if there's any about, say, Elias Lindholm, who's been really a cornerstone of this franchise since he was brought in via trade. He is one of these guys uh, who's certainly due for a pay increase, I would think, from the 4.85 that he makes. But he is headed to unrestricted free agency. Uh, I, I've heard a lot as well about Hannafin likely not wanting to be there. We've heard the same from Lindholm, but I wonder with a different culture there, if he might be somebody that could be persuaded to stick around to be a part of the solution. Yeah, and that's kind of the battle that they're they're running right now, guys, is trying to figure out where Elias sits on all of this. He's been in contact with Craig Conroy since day one uh, of Conroy's hiring. Same with Ryan Huska. As soon as that was uh, said official, Ryan was in contact with Elias. They're, they're kind of in wait-and-see mode. Uh, Pat Steinberg, our colleague here at Sportsnet 960, has reported over the last couple of weeks, the Flames have an offer on the table for Elias Lindholm. It's in the eight-year range, around $72 million. So it would be that significant pay raise you're talking about. But Elias right now seems to be in wait-and-see mode to try to understand where the organization's going and whether or not he wants to be a part of that long-term. The Flames are in no rush to move him out. They've had enough trouble over the last 10, 15, maybe even 20 years, guys, of finding a number one center. And while Elias Lindholm isn't at the caliber of, say, a Connor McDavid or a Nathan McKinnon, he is still this team's clear-cut number one center and not somebody they want to rush out the door. They're going to be patient with him and try to figure out a solution to keep him in Calgary long-term. If this offseason means moving on from Lindholm to Foley and possibly Hannafin, we could be talking about a vastly different group than we saw in Calgary even a year ago. So really, there, there's, it's almost like 
It's almost like some recruiting going on at this point, even though the players are under contract for, for right now. A lot of players, like you had just said, that are UFA after a year. And, and I'm sure there is some, some wait and see from the team's point of view and from the player's point of view. That'll be interesting, won't it, uh, as we get into the season and maybe head towards that NHL trading deadline? Oh, 100%. It's, it's something that Craig mentioned back you know, on, on day one of his press conference at the Dome, we were talking to him about this, and he was the one to bring up the Johnny Gaudreau situation and, you know, talked about losing an asset for nothing in Calgary and how if it was, you know, possible to go back in time, he wishes that situation could have been handled differently from a Flames perspective. This isn't a, a GM, guys, that's going to let these UFAs walk at the end of next year without getting some sort of value back for them. And, you know, it's a tough situation. If you walk into, like you mentioned, trade deadline this season and you're fighting for a wild card spot, maybe bottom of the Pacific Division three that get in, what's going to come if you're Craig Connor? You're going to have to make hard decisions about whether or not you get assets for these guys or you try to make a push down the, the rest of the regular season with them. And when you have as many as Calgary does, I didn't even mention Michael Backlund, who's another part of that UFA group. You're talking about a team that could have a lot of heavy decisions on their plate come early spring. Logan, I've heard that there may be a little bit of shopping around of Dan Vladar, reason being Dustin Wolf is in all likelihood ready to start making the transition up to the NHL. Uh, Do you feel like there might be some playing time in the league this year to be found for uh, the goaltender of the future? Or is, is he's a little undersized? Do the Flames even really see him that way? He is seen as a, as a top prospect here and a guy that is going to get NHL time this year, guys. The, the size factor is one that, that hasn't stopped the Flames at any point in, uh, in time. It's one that probably affected Dustin's draft stock, seeing as the Flames found him in the seventh round of the draft uh, a couple years ago. But it hasn't stopped him in his time in junior. Uh, didn't stop him becoming a, an MVP in the American Hockey League and being the two-time goalie of the year there he has forced himself into nhl playing time he got a game in last year when the season was over against the san jose sharks and the flames and uh, jordan sigal the goaltending crew out here in calgary are expecting him to take that next step forward the question becomes and you're right to go there is what happens with dan vladar who is 25 years old himself has found a nice backup role here in calgary but can they make a, a three-man crease work when you have a, a number one like Jacob Barstrom there? I think it's a situation you'd rather avoid, but at 25, they're not going to give Dan Vladar away to somebody simply to make room for Dustin Wolf. We've talked to a couple people here that say, look, if they have to make a three-man goaltender situation work, it's not ideal, but the Flames having their AHL affiliate in Calgary with the Wranglers now, guys, makes it a lot more palatable knowing Dustin Wolf is just down the hall if you need him. And Wolf is, yeah, it looks like he is right on the on the edge of an NHL career, or at least getting a uh, a strong opportunity to have one. Are there a few others that played with the Wranglers that you think are are right on the on the edge of becoming NHL regulars? Yeah, there's a couple that come to mind. I think Jacob Pelche is probably fair to put in that category, um, knowing that he, I think he could have been an NHL regular last year, guys. He was in and out of the lineup under Daryl Sutter, but in 24 games last year, he put up seven points. He's scored at a higher level than I think 
Uh, a couple of people in the organization thought he would at the American Hockey League level uh, when he was with Stockton last year and even this past season. He's been close to a, a point-per-game player in the American Hockey League. They love his enthusiasm. He's a high-motor guy. He doesn't have a lot of size to him, but he's got a ton of fight in his game. He's a guy that you could see making a push for an NHL spot. And one to watch for here in Calgary on the back end, I don't know if there's a spot for him, but Jeremy Poirier's a guy that caught a lot of people's attention last year uh, in Stockton. That was his, in Calgary, excuse me, his first pro season uh, coming out of the, the QMJHL with St. John. He put up 41 points last year. He put up another nine uh, points in the playoffs. He's got a real nose for the net offensively, and that's something that uh, the Calgary Flames have taken notice of. I, again, I don't know if there's a spot for him given the veterans on this team right now, but he's certainly someone that's pushed himself into the spotlight as far as Flames prospects go. Uh, one question here for you about a player last year who really fell back into the shadows after a breakout the year before, Logan. That's Oliver Shillington. Maybe just a thought from you on what he means to the team and, and sort of where he's at in return. He's on IR uh, right now, just 26 years old, and I, I think that maybe we saw what he meant last year when he wasn't there on the back end for Calgary. Yeah, Oliver dealt with some some pretty serious personal issues last year that kept him um, back in Sweden for the entire season. And uh, first and foremost, he's in a good spot personally. He's back training. He's in uh, constant communication with his Flames teammates, uh, with Craig Conroy and the rest of the Flames management. They were uh, very understanding of the situation that he was in last year and wanted to make sure that everything was good with him personally. And he's really appreciated that. He's working hard. He's been skating for a couple of months with the intention of being back in Calgary soon to get ready for training camp. And he brings a really unique offensive flair to this Flames back end that they certainly missed. And he's a puck mover first and foremost, guys. He can skate himself out of uh, a lot of different situations. And not that the Flames lack that, but it's just something that Oliver certainly excels at in a number of different areas. And he formed a great pairing with Chris Tanev the year before. Uh, He was certainly missed last year in a number of different instances. So they'll be excited to get him back. What it looks like after a year off is going to be a question mark. But to have his enthusiasm, have a guy that can move the puck up the ice like he can, is certainly something any NHL team, especially the Flames, are going to be happy to have back on there come September. Logan, you just gave us 20 minutes, man. It was great chatting with you. I feel like we have learned a whole heck of a lot about the Calgary Flames. Always appreciate getting you on the show. Gents, thanks so much for the time. Take it easy, eh? Of course. I'll chat with you in about 90 minutes, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks, Tom. All right. Logan Gordon from Sportsnet 960 down in Calgary. it's going to be a new look Flames team, but to be honest with you, and and I, I, I think there's a lot of positivity going around right there with Conroy, with a new coach, with just some renewed optimism after I believe a black cloud for many many months. And having said, and having said all that, they still weren't like they were. They just about made the playoffs. Yeah, you know they were they were almost there so yeah they, i think they'll be a, a good opponent i think they'll be a, a team that pushes in the pacific division and there's nothing better than an edmonton calgary game They're, it's just so much fun i love it four of them this it. year and the first one starts outside october yeah. 29th commonwealth stadium will that be the first win at that field in however many <laughs> thousands of days possibly <laughs> Possibly. It's 12.55 in Edmonton. Do we have time to take a break here, young man?
Yeah, we do. I got the nod. We'll be right, right back on Oilers now. Okay, Darnell, it's actually Brendan and Cam in today. Yes. Darnell looked like he was having a good time there at Tyson Berry's wedding, along with about three quarters of the National Hockey League. I don't know if you saw any of the pictures of the wedding party, but I guess Barry's been around, so it makes sense as to why there was a lot of different guys from a lot of different teams all involved in what looked like a blast a couple of weekends ago. Uh if there was a better party in the summer, I'd love to see it because that looked like it was great. Yeah. Hashtag we're getting buried. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, some guests of the show. Yeah, we told you that. But yeah. I can tell you that uh, Oilers Now Injury Report is brought to you all season long. And there's no injuries to report right now. No. But it is brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. 780-496-0063, the number to text or call. We will have lots of time for you coming up after the 1 o'clock news. We'll also talk a little bit about the Oilers' goaltending situation heading into next season. Joaquin Gage joining Cam on yesterday's show with uh, with a lot of thoughts about just, you know, how the rotation's going to look. Can we expect the same out of Stuart Skinner? I guess we'll find out. Get your calls in now. Aiden Ganim is waiting eagerly to take them right now. We are off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn.